1: Download the free Anchor app, or go to Anchor.fm. That's Anchor, the thing you throw off your boat. fm to get started.
0: Welcome into another edition of the JMU Sports News podcast. We have quite a bit to talk about, and I think maybe most importantly, the football team's done, you know, they had a a really rough showing and um, I don't know. I mean, it was, it was a heck of a season while it lasted Jack, but it's, I don't know, it's it's done as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah. Who knew that after beating Moorhead state 52 to zero and then playing a really bad half of football and then coming back after that terrible half of football and allowing just 40 some odd yards and zero points, that we would hit the panic button this early, but, um, we have. And no, of course we're joking. Of course we're joking. Someone in our, and I can guarantee the person who tweeted at us does not listen to the podcast. Cause he clearly didn't read the article. Um, he was in our mentions. It was right after I tweeted out, um, the link, the second time we tweeted out the link to the podcast and I do with the graphic is JMU football done. And the very next one was, um, we're number one. And the guy replied and said, uh, what a what a weird what a weird thread. You go from is Jamie football done to yay, we're good. And then this I was like, man, you did not listen, you did not read. You did not get the joke. <sighs>
0: it was just it was a funny weekend, right? Because they beat Robert Morris 36 to 16. They had the, the dominant second half and all that. And like a lot of the ranked teams struggle. North Dakota State got blown out. <laughs> By Southern Illinois, I mean, they stunk. They were terrible. I think they, what, they lose by 38-14 or something like that? I think
1: that was what it was, yeah. It was terrible.
0: Like, a lot of these Eastern Washington sort of got robbed a little bit, but they ended up losing to Idaho, which is basically playing, like, a video game uh, stadium. I don't know what the heck that place is. It seems fake. Somebody commented, I think, that it it looks like the generic, like, practice facility in, like, NCAA-14, the video game. No,
1: it did. It did. That, that, that. (laughs) That field goal post, I've been glad to <laughs> words to it because when I was watching it, it, I was focused on the ref adjusting his mask. But now that I'm so like, thinking back and re-watching it, it's like, yeah, that is a terrible stadium.
0: <laughs> and the Big Sky puts out, if you didn't see it, a field goal clearly was made, hit the scoreboard, and like <laughs> bounced back, and the ref was fiddling with his mask and assumed it hit like the upright and called it no good. They reviewed it. With, I think the camera angle was terrible, so they still said it was – was no good. And then the big, st- big sky puts out a statement and they're basically like, you know what? They shouldn't put a scoreboard there. That's tough for our guys. <laughs> it's like, what? So yeah, that was that was kind of a joke. But a lot of the ranked teams struggled. I've seen some people who think North Dakota without the state on the end um, should be the number one team in the country. So that gives you a little bit of an idea of where the spring FCS slate is going. North Dakota's look pretty good, but crazy yeah. stuff so far. Jamie was actually the number one, but I think winning the game was, was fine. And I don't know your take on this, but like this isn't the, the same Robert Morris team from 2018.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think JMU fans didn't know that. Like the last time we saw this team was 2018 and we beat them, what, 73 to seven or something like that. And then you don't hear anything about them for all of 2019. Meanwhile, in 2019, they go six and one. Their only loss was to Central Connecticut State, which, if you remember, was another team JMU blew out years ago. But they're now good, um, and so Robert Morris's only loss last season was an Only NAC, conference loss. Yeah, only conference loss. Thank you. Was to Central Connecticut. <laughs> yes, and they finished six and one in NEC play. They didn't make the playoffs, of course, because you have to practically win the NEC to make the playoffs. But I mean they were one game away from winning the NEC and making the playoffs last year. They moved to the Big South, which shows that they actually care about their this sounds so rude to NEC teams, but they actually care about their football program. And Bernard Clark is a good coach. He's a very good coach. And so and there were players from that team that 70 to 7 lost that were still on the Robert Morris team. There were reports that they were wanting revenge for that game. So, of course, they're going to come out with some enthusiasm and a little bit more oomph behind it. Now, Cole Johnson did play a terrible, terrible half of football. And so did the whole offense, really. But to to just expect Robert Morris to be that same 2018 team was kind of foolish. And Jamie fans, granted, there was a large contingent out there that did understand that this was a better Robert Morris team. But a lot of Jamie fans just refused to believe it.
0: You know, it's kind of weird where people were like well we did this last time so we should we should do it again I mean there are people who are like you know JMU G- shouldn't be ranked because they should have won by more and it's you know the actual voters who are know what they're talking about have JMU at number one so I think that's sort of the the contrast between the fans who are like oh my god and and people who know what's going on but yeah Cole Johnson wasn't great the offense wasn't great I mean if you're a, a team defending jmu i would put like 11 guys in the box and try to make them throw and that's probably gonna be what happens you know for most of the regular season and they're still probably gonna be able to run the ball against a lot of the teams because the ca looks let me clarify the ca south looks pretty weak so i'm not expecting them to be overly tested or or anything like that i mean we'll talk about elon this week um (laughs) elon's got some stuff going on they do not look good they're potentially down to a third string quarterback um i don't know Davis-Cheek, I don't know how much he would have helped defensively because they look pretty bad defensively. So they're they're a mess. And, and JMU's schedule is very, very weak. I think there's a legitimate chance that by the end of the season, Robert Morris was the best team they play in the regular season. Yeah,
1: that, I, I think we were texting about that. We were texting with a friend of ours who, who kind of was in that boat of, why isn't JMU winning this by 50 points? This is abysmal. Like, this is a terrible JMU game. And, yeah, we were both saying, like, this may be the best team we face all season. And, like, we beat them by 20. you beat them by 20.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a rematch in Frisco.
1: Exactly, honestly.
0: <laughs> no, but, I mean, I think Robert Morris will be good, and they'll hang around in the, the Big South. And I didn't, at the beginning of the week, I didn't know they were that good, and I listened to Greg Medea's walkthrough podcast any sort of outline like how they've improved and and what they're doing culturally and i was like oh, all right this is actually gonna be not not necessarily a game but it will not be a disgusting blowout and mismatch like that first matchup uh with morehead state was so yeah i mean i thought overall it was okay cole johnson got better um but I think there are legitimate concerns about the passing attack, at least in my opinion.
1: Yeah, so I was taking some notes as I was watching the game, and first off, the very first note I took is Cole bad.
0: <laughs> I don't think he's bad. I think that he's not the last. Like we've been kind of spoiled. So the last three quarterbacks, right? It's Badly, Brian, Short, Bendanucci. I don't think he's any of those three guys. But I think he can manage a game, and if he doesn't make, you know bad decisions and throw a bunch of interceptions he's fine like you just basically have to get the ball to Chris Thornton and Bracey and Cheatham and some of those guys and, and they'll make plays so for him he doesn't have to be like an all CA caliber player um, which he could be in these early weeks right because no CA teams were playing so I think Jamie swept the CA conference honors because it was them and Elon were the only teams playing but for him you know he doesn't have to be as good as like the undercuffler or anything like that he's just gotta go out and not throw three interceptions
1: in a half. But is it me, or does his arm look weak?
0: I was, yeah, some of them
1: were. We some wrote it off were, week one. Week one, it was freezing cold and it was like 25, 30 mile an hour gusts. We wrote it off. This week was good weather, and he was throwing ducks. I don't think his arm is good.
0: I think his arm's not that bad. I think he had a bad showing, and I think sometimes like his his footwork looked weird. The one that that really comes to mind. Um, Chris Thornton was wide open. He hit him for a touchdown and it, it looked super wobbly live. The replay was less wobbly, but it was not, it wasn't like a tight spiral and it, he obviously didn't leave him. So I think you watch it and you're like, what in the.
1: And it didn't get there quickly. And it almost they, was not a touchdown. Like Chris Thornton thing- had to come back to the ball and then make a man miss where if, if, if Ben DiNucci, Brian Shore, Vadley is throwing that he hit Chris Thornton in stride down the sidelines and that's an easy waltz and touchdown.
0: I think the thing like last year um, that didn't get enough appreciation was Ben would throw like 50 yard ropes to that would, you know, come down perfectly in in Brandon Polk's arms. And I don't know, like they haven't shown anything in terms of the deep passing game. And maybe that's because it's early and they've played, you know, two teams where they're basically just trying to run the ball and get the short passes going. But I think they're going to need to get that going at some point. And, you know, can Cole do that? I don't know. I think it's a fair question, Um, but I still, I still think he's got talent and ability and, I think some of it is he hasn't started much. And I think he's making some, some dumb decisions. And we kind of have seen that before, right? Where he's had moments where it's like, wow, he looks really good. I remember his first career start against Elon. It was obviously a different caliber Elon. Well, well, maybe not this year, maybe it's the same caliber Elon, (laughs) Um, but he was sort of torching their defense. He looked great, made some really good touch passes. And then he had the one game, Ben DiNucci turned the ball over like twice in the first five minutes against New Hampshire, Cole comes in, throws for like 400 yards, but also <laughs> through three picks. He had the, the game last year. I forget which one it was, but he came in in mop up duty. And like Kurt he was pretty pissed about like his attitude and not being focused. It might have actually been New Hampshire um, in that game, but.
1: I don't, I remember he came in like Cole Johnson was when he was the mop up duty quarterback. And I said this in the QB preview that we we released in preseason He's kind of – he had six career interceptions coming into this season as, like, a mop-up-duty quarterback that's high. He had a lot of kind of bad decisions, like, picks where, like, you throw to the flat and you think that the, the defender isn't going to be able to break on the ball and the defender would break on the ball and always get it. Like, six interceptions to me is a lot for a mop-up-duty quarterback. And so that decision-making question is still kind of there, especially after throwing three picks in the first half of this game. I'll give them where one of them was kind of a duck long pass down the sideline that like could have been batted down, but the first two were ugly.
0: Yeah. I mean, they were like directly to defenders who were kind of jumping routes, but they had also kind of already jumped the route and they were like right there. So I think that was kind of odd, but I mean, if you look at like the Moorhead state game, there were a couple where they were like, all right, we're doing a quick pass to this guy. He caught it and like looked and through and they were able to do it. Cause Moorhead state was not particularly athletic or like, um, as well-coached, yeah, as as Robert Morris. So Robert Morris was in the right position. They made the plays. Uh, I think probably a good learning experience. But I would like to see more as the season goes on, one, of, of not turning the ball over and making careless decisions, and then two, of actually being able to to stretch the ball down the field with with accuracy and velocity and a little bit more of a, a tight spiral on some of those. So there's a long way to go for him, and I, I think he can eventually – continue to get better I still think there's talent there and we've talked about this a little bit Um, people are are clamoring for for Gage Maloney and things like that they had a competition that Kurt Signetti watched all of Cole Johnson won that and then Cole Johnson threw three first half interceptions and Kurt Signetti did not bring in Gage Maloney so I think that tells you all you need to know about what the quarterback situation is going to be this season
1: and not even that like the offense wasn't moving like not only was like because to me, there's a difference between a quarterback who throws picks but the offense is moving, and a quarterback who throws picks when the offense is just not doing anything. And it was the latter for Cole Johnson in that first half. The offense was doing nothing. He was throwing picks, making bad decisions, and Gage Maloney didn't even warm up.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it makes sense to have Gage Maloney come in. Like, from the limited action we've seen, he's a talented rusher and a physical guy. But his accuracy is kind of all over the place. I mean, he came in a little against Colgate, and he threw like two. This was when Ben DiNucci threw the five interceptions. They gave him that one series off. That was such an odd game in terms of how they, they managed him and his confidence. They gave him just like a possession breather to that was, get his that was
1: in. That was Mike Houston hating Ben DiNucci by the end of it. They hated each other. This is completely off topic, <laughs> but I'm, I am convinced that they hated each other.
0: They did not do a great job with, with boosting his confidence, but yeah. So Gage Maloney came in, was inaccurate. I thought against um, Moorhead State, he wasn't even, I mean, all that impressive. He hit some throws and he's done that before, but like, I remember, I think his first career touchdown pass was like a 60 yard play, but it was a screen um, to, to Jake Brown. I think against Richmond when, when they blew him out one year, I just, we haven't seen anything from him to, to believe that he's like this dynamic passer that Cole isn't and Curtis net not a moron so if he was a dynamic passer there's no you know he wouldn't just like stash him on the bench and then be like oh we'll bring him out along with our secret uh postseason playbook
1: we'll bring him out in the last drive of north dakota state national championship game that's the time we're gonna show off <laughs> baloney
0: <laughs> was the all right maybe he is saving him that because he, <laughs> he did do that oh gosh but i but think my... cole's... cole's probably the guy right you got to just ride it out i guess
1: uh, yeah and then kind of on that point um Think of the confidence it would have destroyed Cole against Robert Morris one quarter <laughs> yes. like I know I was kind of clamoring for it too at that point cuz it looked like Robert Moore like if Robert Morris capitalized if the defense wasn't fantastic we could have Jamie you could have been I keep saying we and I, I really am trying to break that habit Um, you could have been like a 24 point hole in a yes. blink of an eye but the defense held but think Think of the the confidence it just would have destroyed Cole. Like you don't want to destroy his confidence before conference play against Robert Morris in a non conference supposedly cupcake game. But my last note I had on the game before we kind of preview Elon. As great as his rushing attack is, I mean four headed monster. We talk about it all the time. Percy's great. Latrell, who didn't really get much PT because of a unsportsmanlike conduct early on in the game. Jawan Hamilton, Austin Douglas, Solomon Van Horst, all of them. As great as that rushing attack is this offense is only as good as the quarterback play. And I think that was very evident in the first half. They couldn't get going because the passing attack couldn't get going. And, and as much as we talked about kind of half-heartedly tongue-in-cheek that they could run it 75 times and still win a game, I think it, it was a rude awakening against Robert Morris that, no, they can't. They have to pass it. They have to have some sort of efficiency in the pass game. And this offense – and this team as a whole is only going to go as far as the right arm of Cole Johnson allows them.
0: Yeah, the running game is really good. And I think, you know, Sam Herder of Hero Sports said after week one, he's like, you know, Jamie's rushing attack isn't unstoppable. It's good. We expected it to be good. And for them to have success against Moorhead State is no surprise. But you saw Robert Morris, you know, kind of sold out to stop the run. They did a decent job of that. Jamie was averaging 4.5 yards per carry, which certainly isn't terrible, but it's not, you know, dominant or, or explosive really. I think their longest rush was 24 yards. So they didn't break off any huge runs or anything like that. And yeah, I mean, if the quarterback isn't throwing the ball well and he's turning the ball over, obviously you're going to stack the box and try to stop the run. And I think it's not unstoppable. It's very good, but I think it's it's going to help a ton if Cole Johnson can complete passes and move them down the field passing wise. And, he got a little better as the game went on, for sure. Two touchdown passes. I thought the second touchdown pass to Wells was a pretty good throw, um, where he kind of looked right, came back left, and, and got hit on the left side, but still completed it back. So, I don't know. I think there's some hope for the passing game. But like you're saying, it, it needs to be there. And, and maybe more specifically, it needs to be there for them to have success in the postseason.
1: Yeah, and, and I think the passing game can get better, and I think it will. But if Cole like, – I mean, we saw it against Colgate too when Ben Nucci threw five picks. Like, if you're throwing picks, the whole thing's going to – the wheels are going to come off real quick. And it's kind of it, – it's great that the defense was able to only allow 16 points in the first half off of three turnovers where they were getting the ball in great field position.
0: I think – yeah, I think one of my biggest takeaways too is like Robert Morris, aside from like the pseudo one-handed catch, that he's the guy, sort of brought in one handed on a long touchdown play. Like Robert Morris's offense did almost nothing. I mean, they yeah. really they had a couple plays, and I understand that. I think the secondary maybe wasn't its sharpest in the first half, but they're it certainly looked, ball. yeah, for sure, it looked good in the second half. The team looked good in the second half. I thought overall, though, the first half was not like garbage. People were getting upset. And they're like, wow, the defense. was like, all right, sometimes they're starting the drive at the ten because he threw an interception that they were. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, I think one of them started like at the one yard line, didn't it? Yeah, like he it started yeah. the
1: two, but I mean, overall to me, that first half and a little bit in the second half, the quarterback was missing wide open receivers. The secondary wasn't extremely sharp in that game. And I think that's something to really keep an eye on. It's something we kind of touched in the preview coming into the season where they're really good at the top end, but we're kind of questionable about the depth. Um, so that's something to definitely keep an eye on. How sharp can the secondary be? And yeah, they, I mean, we're, we're nitpicking here. This, this, this defense was fantastic, allowed 16 points, no second-half points, buckled down. Mike Green was hurt, their star guy who makes that defensive line run. I mean, the Antonio Colclaw, and um, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name, but the hyphenated name. <laughs> Do you want to try oh, it?
0: I, I oh, for, I forget what it was. I looked up the Minnesota transfer. Yeah. But I made I mean, a sack at some point, I think.
1: Yeah, so they, they came in. They had great time. Um, but Mike, Mike Green was, was injured and was a little hobbled. So. Or he
0: was, I thought he was feeling sick or something. Oh, that's was, right.
1: That's right. Sorry. Excuse no, me. No, it was the
0: weird he missed. Didn't he miss like the first quarter or
1: the first half
0: it was? Yeah. It was, it was odd and never really explained. They just said he wasn't feeling well and it wasn't COVID. Right. I think, I think, was...
1: I think Greg wrote a piece on it. Okay. And the beginning it was, he woke up feeling sick. He hmm. passed like three COVID tests, like rapid COVID tests. So he was allowed to play. And I think he was just like, he had a little stomach bug. And he, I think, and honestly, what I imagine is he wasn't going to play that whole game. And then when he sat on the sidelines and saw that his team was on the, like could have lost to Robert Morris. (laughs) He was like, coach put me in. And it's kind of interesting, excuse me, Mike Green out 16 points and the offense had a little bit of success. Mike Green in 40 some odd yards and zero points.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a big-time player. They've got plenty of athletes and, and talented guys. That, I mean, like, Jamie didn't play that well, and they won by 20 against a team that I think is, like, a fringe playoff team. So.
1: I I can't agree more with that take because, yes, this was the worst game of football we've seen since Colgate when Ben DiNucci threw five pen, four or five picks. I kind of blocked that game out of my mental. And that game they lost. This game they played terribly, probably the worst half of football ever. Like yeah. that was a terrible first half of football, and they won by twenty. And JMU fans are acting like this team doesn't deserve to be a top four ranked team. They don't even deserve being the top twenty-five. It, it doesn't count of a win if unless it's by fifty. Uh, I was getting worked up.
0: It's hard to win football games. It is hard to win football games, regardless Especially of who you're
1: playing against. Good teams.
0: So they've got Elon this week. It's on the road. First road game of the season um i don't know exactly what elon's like capacity is but i mean you know in a normal season it's not like it's a threatening road environment (laughs) um (laughs) so i imagine it'll be very similar no but they've they've really struggled they've had some some quarterback issues in terms of like injuries and things like that they were somehow still ranked last week i guess um, but they barely beat Davidson, which is a Pioneer League team, non-scholarship, in week one. I think they needed to drive late to, to come out the
1: last second, the last second by, touchdown drive
0: by three. And then they played Gardner Webb this weekend. Great first quarter; they're up seventeen to nothing after the first quarter. They lose the game forty-two to twenty. <laughs> that is very alarming to me. Like I don't know, I
1: don't know how that happens. I think Elon. This may be this this game may get ugly quick and. You you I think you tongue-in-cheek tweeted this at me when I was well, I forgot what I did. But you like to call me out on when I think stupid. <laughs> and I think you tweeted back uh the last time we all know what happened the last time, You fans <laughs> took Elon not as seriously, and you're referring to 2018 when we were saying that JMU was gonna win by 60 in that game, and then Kurt Signetti and company came out and what'd they do? Win? Yeah, they did. They yeah. did. But yeah, I think this game. This is a bad Elon. Too. Like you said, they might be starting their third-string quarterback. Davis Cheek is out. Who was going to be a, a contender for CAA Player of the Year? He's a great quarterback. He's out. That was before the season, and then you saw how that impacted them against uh, Davidson. And then now their second string—is he hurt or is he just not playing well? I didn't—I didn't fully get that.
0: Unsure. I was looking. Let me see. I know there Greg a, t- a top story.
1: Up. Greg Medea wrote an article about it. Saying Elon may start their, have to start their third-string quarterback? He
0: left the game. Okay. Um, it's unclear if he was – let me see. Sorry.
1: No, you're fine. It you're doesn't
0: kidding. even say. It just says he – wait, there we go. He suffered a leg injury. So they've got – you know, their top two guys are, are banged up.
1: And this was already an offense that wasn't great. And this is a defense that is getting torn to shreds by bad opponents. Gardner Webb's not a pe- <laughs> like, like Robert Morris is a big South team who we have high hopes for. Gardner Webb is not a big South team that you have high hopes for.
0: No. And here's the thing that I think JMU fans will really appreciate uh, Gardner Webb's quarterback in this game, he threw three first half interceptions, they beat Elon by 22. So, uh, no concern for Cole Johnson and the Dukes. They can go ahead and do exactly what they did against Robert Morris, and they're going to be just fine. This guy throws three first-half interceptions, which explains the massive early deficit. He then stopped throwing the ball over. They ran for five touchdowns.
1: This sounds yeah. very JMU-esque.
0: Yes, this is very jmu So I think JMU, actually, I would stick to that game plan. If I'm Cole Johnson, I try to give three quick three quick picks, get them out of your system, and just roll. That's kind of hilarious that <laughs> this guy also threw three and they won by 20-plus. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's any reason to be concerned about Elon. Um,
1: Elon, in my latest power rankings that you can check out at www.jmesportsnews.com, plug, plug, plug. I put him last. I, I don't – don't, <laughs> like, Rhode Island didn't play and Rhode Island moved up and Elon fell. Like, that's how much I think that Big South lost and the close win against a Pioneer League team hurt Elon and to top it all off they're down to their third string quarterback potentially I would have had Towson last for obvious reasons but a bunch of babies <laughs> I'm kidding I'm kidding take COVID <laughs> seriously
0: gosh but no Elon's really struggled this year and obviously you got a third string quarterback that that doesn't help the team oh god <laughs> sorry the stats are the stats are jarring when you look at Elon and what they did against Gardner Webb Uh, They ran for 71 yards. 47 of those came from their second-string quarterback, who's out. Um, But so, yeah, they don't have a lot of rushing. Um, Wouldn't say they necessarily have a ton of passing. Um, (laughs) So
1: here, let me sum it up for the (laughs) listeners. What Bennett is saying is they have a whole lot of nothing.
0: Yeah, I mean they've they've really struggled. Um, I don't want to sell short their their kicking game um I hate you. Field goal kicker made a couple of field goals. Skylar Davis also made both his extra points. So that's a weapon you got to look out for, right? Is this going to be a field goal battle game? You got Racky versus, versus Skylar Davis. So that could be something
1: to to keep an eye on.
0: Well, no, I think ram-
1: e- while well, Bennett's rambling about Elon, <laughs> I think it's going to be key to get the running game going in this one. Um, I'm very interested to see how Latrell Palmer works into this week's game plan because after that unsportsmanlike conduct where he threw the football at the Robert Morris player he didn't see the field again and Kalon Black started was started to get some of his carries
0: he was really good he was really good the the freshman and Solomon Vanhorst didn't have a carry or a catch
1: Austin Douglas didn't have a carry or a catch
0: yeah so I don't know exactly I guess Van Horse had a kickoff return but um, yeah we'll see how they work in the backs and <laughs> Latrell Palmer getting frustrated and firing the ball in a dude's face in front of the ref was, was certainly not his finest <laughs> moment. And one that Kurt Signetti you could see, it. they even had the camera on. It was giving him a, a nice talking. You couldn't read the lips. He had the mask on. Um, but was probably why he had the mask on. Um, it's probably
1: why Latrell Palmer was not seen for the rest of the game. Probably I've, I imagine the conversation when something along the lines of, sit on the bench and don't get back up. Yeah, I
0: think that I'd like to see them work in Jawan Hamilton a little more. He had, the average Nine eight yards attempts. carry. I know, but, but you got Percy with with 17. I think there could be a little more of a split. Maybe not. Maybe Percy's more of the workhorse. I get that. But I, would, I don't know. Jawan, I thought, was really productive. And I think he's someone that I would like to see, whether it's getting him a screen, maybe run him on a jet sweep instead of Van Horse. I don't know.
1: I want to see him get the ball. that's that's very valid that's very valid um anything else you're looking for in the elon jmu game i really think it's going to be a quick blowout where cole johnson i think it's going to look like a lot like the Moorhead state game
0: yeah i don't think this is going to be very competitive i don't think elon's very good um the schedule is weak sauce it's kind of a nice appetizer though for sunday because sunday is the jmu sport event of the weekend and there is absolutely no question in my mind to see a quarterfinal. Mark Byington and the boys.
1: Is that already March? Well, we have to, before we dive into that, <laughs> it's weird. I know. The transition, have though. A Twitter question for football. Oh, yeah. You, I know we don't get them a lot, but we got to respect it when we get them. This one's from Ryan uh, Ruthercherry. No, it's from Ryan Rutherford. <laughs> That's my guy. I love him. His Twitter, uh, his at is at Ryan <laughs> Rutherchevy. Chevy. Chevy. <laughs> Huh. Okay. Not necessarily about the Dukes, but how much should I read into the North Dakota state loss? Just a one-off bad game or something more? You take it away first. I have my answer. I, I my answer is very simple. Um, but you take it away first.
0: Something more. I was talking to Chase Kitty about this yesterday via text, and he was basically saying, um, quarterback plays like average with Zeb Noland. And they play this style, right? Where they wear you down with a physical offensive line, a great rushing attack. The offensive line is not that physical. The rushing game is not that good. They don't have great quarterback play. So if you're going to try to play like a grinded out ball control style and you can't do it, you're just going to run the ball twice, try to pass on third down, probably punt, and then get blown out. Um, and that's, that's kind of what happens. So I think they'll be a middle – I don't. to be honest with you, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs.
1: Yeah, there was – one, I think it was Lawrence Smith tweeted it. There's a real shot that if they lose another game – they're out.
0: And I don't, I don't see how they wouldn't lose another game.
1: Exact, And it's also to the point because North Dakota is all of a sudden in the Valley. This is the first season yes. they play in the Valley. North Dakota's is balling out. Southern Illinois just beat North Dakota State head-to-head. South Dakota State, they had a weird loss, but they're another good team. Like, we talk about the CAA being the best conference. I think now in this season, the Valley is by far the best. And North Dakota State is going to have their hands full each and every game. And yeah, like you said, quarterback play is not good. The Seth Williams Wilson, excuse me, the mm-hmm. Seth Wilson injury, I think is a lot bigger than a lot of people are making out because he was, while he wasn't necessarily the workhorse and the go-to. I mean, imagine JMU losing one of their top three backs in Latrell Palmer, Percy, or Jawan Hamilton. That's kind of what Seth Wilson is to that North Dakota State team. And the reason North Dakota State and JMU play very similar brands of football that grind it out just beat you in the mouth. The difference is that JMU has an all-American offensive line, and North Dakota State does not, and that's the key to it all, like you said. And so, North this read into this, read into this loss. North Dakota State. I'm not saying their run is over, but they're they may have a weird blip on the radar in this this dominating dynasty.
0: My last point on this is they play football in North Dakota. I don't think they're the best team in the state, and I think that's a concern.
1: Yes. All right. We March. had. 7th.
0: March 7th. Yes. March. Our other question, our second question is basketball, right?
1: Yeah. Dumb, I mean, we could do guy. it now. I we mean, well, no, this, sure. kind of, this is an end, <laughs> This is the end of basketball talk, though. That's fair. Because it's about how how can they keep this success going into 2022? True. Do we want to do a real quick the women's team doesn't play the conference tournament until
0: March 10th. So that'll be probably our next pod. Yeah. Um, they split with Drexel to end the season. I don't think this – I don't know if the seeds are finalized. I think other teams might still have games. I could be wrong.
1: I think so. The okay. CA is so they're, weird, man.
0: They either locked up – I think they locked up top three with the split over the weekend, um, if I'm not mistaken. I think they'll be two or three, which means they're probably going to potentially avoid a semifinal against Delaware, which sounds like a promising thing, actually, to be a two or three instead of the four. Um so we'll we'll see what happens there but they're going to have a chance to win the conference tournament for sure. Um I, they have not won what is it? three conference games in a row so that's a little bit of a concern. But we'll get into that next pod. They're they're a good team.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to jump into the CAA tournament talk with them. I'll, yes. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to tape watch that team and figure it out and dive into why I think they could win the CAA tournament.
0: Hope you like turnovers. <sighs> <laughs> All right. I think they they had – twenty sorry, to to go off on this. But they were up 18-6 to in the first quarter of the first game against Drexel. They end up turning the ball over 20 times, and they lose by three. Just – like they're so close. They're so close. The next, like, two years, they're going to be, like, ranked. They are so close to being very good.
1: As you say, and I think this comes up every podcast, they're the perfect pandemic team.
0: If the season – if they get – you know, if the season conference tournament gets canceled, they don't make the NCAA tournament, it's like, well, okay – And you just come back next year because they're really good. So
1: Now, CAA men's quarterfinal is March 7th. JMU locked up the one seed. Can you believe that? Like, Let's just talk about that real quick. They got the one seed, man. (laughs) They were predicted to be the ninth. They have the one.
0: I will say at the beginning of the season, I said it was stupid that people think that Matt Lewis is the preseason player of the year, and he was the – player of the year by all accounts. And they thought they'd be the ninth best team. I, I totally get because like the past had shown that like they weren't that good, but like with a competent coach and the best player in the league, the idea that they were going to finish ninth, I thought was dumb. I didn't think they were going to win, but ninth seemed very
1: low. To me, the problem with that was not the problem. The, the media had voted them like at one point, like a fourth, <laughs> like they predicted them to finish fourth one season with Rowe and they finished last. So I think the media at that point, after a couple of years of, like, selling high. They were sick of it, yeah. They were like, F this team. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna make us look terrible. Let's put them near the back. And then if they, they go worst to first, they go worst to first.
0: The logic just crapped me up. Cracked me up. Where it was Cracked like, "Crap me up, man. I was spent all day in the bathroom after that. <laughs> no, but it was just like, I don't know. You think he's the best player in the league. In a mid-major, low-major league. And you think they're going to finish ninth with him. Whatever. We, I guess we should get to the fact that Matt Lewis is not going to play the rest of the season. He had a an injury, and I will give you some credit here because Mark Byington was kind of, you know, being a little cagey, I guess, and not giving a whole lot of information. And You were like, no, he couldn't put weight on it. Like, I think this is a concern. It, I was like, no. <laughs> it was so
1: – okay, so the – I don't want to, like, toot my own horn and be like, I'm a doctor. Maybe not. Like, the injury happened. He goes down, and it doesn't look good. Like he goes immediately to the bench trainers are immediately on and it's his knee. And you kind of just think like, that's a very pivotal part of your body. That's not your left index finger. That's your knee. And Left
0: index finger is also
1: key. <laughs> and then the craziest part is that then they try to put him back on the floor and return that game. And then, yeah, he couldn't put weight on it. And then in the post game, Mark Byington's like, ah, it's day to day. He'll be fine. And the O'Neals, he's a little bit more cagey. And Shane Metlin noted that. But they still were all reports were like, he's not probably going to play, but he should be good to go for the CA tournament. It's it's touch and go. But he, we'll know when he gets his MRI done or whatever it was. And then all of a sudden, he's out for season. It's like, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, should be. <laughs> huge blow. It seems like he'll be ready for NBA pre-draft stuff, which is great news for him. But he's out for the season for JMU, which is – a tough blow and you know Julian the, Wooden too. What did they end up saying? I don't uh, I think know. He, okay, so I listened to the I listened to O'Neill's. He got hurt in the first minute.
1: The first uh, seconds. the first drive in, he comes up gimpy. The, the this was arguably second best scorer comes up gimpy.
0: I forget who tweeted it, but they mentioned that it had very similar vibes to the women's basketball team when Kamaya, Lexi, and like Madison Green all got hurt in this like unbelievable lat, late late season. Yes. injury surge so it certainly felt like that but he was they held him out of sunday they did a sunday workout held him out they are going to limit him at practice and then um kind of work him up but mark byington seemed optimistic that julian wooden would be available for the sunday ca quarterfinal um again we really don't know i don't know how much to read into mark byington after he was like oh it's a minor injury to Mount Lewis so i i i, I, I don't know wait until sunday and see if he's actually on the court but He's huge. He's a huge piece. What do you think about this team? Can they still win the conference tournament? Do you expect them to win the conference tournament? Where do they stack up going in?
1: So I was – you were – when the Matt Lewis news hit, you were very inconsolable. That's. I think that's the word to say. I went into it. I knew they – not knew. They're going to struggle against Drexel in that final game, mainly because that news had just broken. But my whole thing is Mark Byington's a great coach. This also contingent on Julian Wooden playing because I I, I think he, they may be one and done if Julian Wooden isn't playing. Um just because he's a good scorer. But overall, I think I think Matt Lewis not playing in the final game is better than him like how can I word this? him being out for the season, that being announced before the regular season finale is more beneficial to this team than then kind of playing at KG and then announcing it before the quarterfinals, because yeah. now this team knows Matt isn't there. So they had that game of against Drexel and they realized what was going wrong, what to fix. And Mark Byington saw his team and, and knows what this team is going to be going into the CAA tournament. And I think that's huge. I also think it's very good that this team almost beat Drexel. I mean, Jalen Hodge – I mean, you're down two late. Jalen Hodge jacks up that three in the final seconds, which analytically that might be the play, but I don't fully agree with it. But that's that's a different discussion for a different day. Um, but late, they're still right into that game. And I think with a week off, with a week of preparation, knowing what this team is, the scouting report, hopefully getting Julian Wooden back, I think – I. I, they're not a lock for the championship. I would have said they were a lock for the championship with Matt Lewis because they look like the clear-cut best team. Now I think they're probably the second or third favorite to win behind – let me look at the standings real quick – behind a Hofstra, behind a Northeastern. I haven't seen Charles, Charleston play all that much, and they're the number three seed. Um, but I think they're kind of a fraud three, if you ask me. Um, I think they beat up on lower tier. Like, I think it's beneficial yeah. that JMU, JMU CAA schedule, we were talking about it early on, how they were kind of playing bad teams. But now as we sit back and we look back at the season that JMU had in the CAA, they they went one and one against Northeastern. They sweeped Hofstra, didn't play Charleston. Um, and they went one and one against Drexel. They didn't play Delaware. And then yeah. swept Towson, swept Elon, which are the bottom feeders, and they kind of beat up on. But on the better teams, they beat them. I think this team is the second to third best team in the ch- uh, the tournament right now. And I think they can do it. That was a long ramble for your question. Sorry about that.
0: I think that's, that's all fair. And Matt Lewis improved a lot as a defender this year. I do think people are making a slightly too much out of him as a defender. Um, <laughs> unbelievable, unbelievable offensive player and above league average this year defensively. But there was some, some stuff that was basically like, you know, with Matt Lewis out, they just, you know, they can't get stops. And that's why they're not getting stops against this game against Drexel. It's like,
1: well, they They haven't really stops all season.
0: (laughs) Right. Uh, Matt Lewis is a really good player. I think what he brought mostly was just unbelievable offensive efficiency and then above average defense. So he was really good. But the the thing against Drexel is like, they were, I mean, offensively they were fine without him um, for the most part. I mean, Vado Morse was Vado Morse was so good in this game. Nine of 15, 25 points, six assists to one turnover. Like you cannot ask for anything more from him. That was. I,
1: I want to say this before I forget this thought. There was a point in the game where it looked like they didn't know who to turn to. Beginning yeah. of the game, it was clearly like, let's, let's feed Morse the ball. And he was, he was jacking up shots early on. But then there was like a weird 20-minute stint, probably from the f- last 10 minutes of the first half and the first 10 minutes of the second half, where they just didn't know who to go to and the offense struggled. And then Morse, all of a sudden, it seemed like, took the game back over. And that's when Jalen Hodge started to heat up. That's when everyone else around him. So I think that's going to be huge going into the quarterfinals and into the tournament. They need to pinpoint who is going to be our ball handler, who is going to be our de facto Matt Lewis.
0: I think you got to go with Vado and, and Hodge probably. Like you were saying, it helps if Wooden's available so you can spread it out a little bit more. Hodge was super good too. I mean, offensively, like – They did have some stretches where they didn't know who was the guy necessarily, but they shoot 50% for the game, 47% from three, 17 assists to 10 turnovers. Like, you can't really Matt Lewis, without Matt Lewis, ask for more than that, but defensively they were, gosh, they just could not get a stop whenever they needed one. I mean, Drexel turned it over a little bit, but they shot about 50%, 40 plus percent from three. They got to the line a good amount and they were 94% at the line, which may be a little bit of luck involved there, but Like when JMU needed stops, JMU could just not get stops. So we've seen that before, right? Remember that really dramatic Hofstra win? They did absolutely nothing defensively in that game. But they just started banging threes, and everyone's like, wow, this team. And it's like, yeah, but if they're going to win the conference tournament, the defense has to be somewhat respectable.
1: You know what makes me happy, though? I know Byington knows this, and that's this week's week's, uh, practice philosophy is going to be all on defense. But there was a point in the game – Oh crap. I had a point. I had a really good point. We're talking about defense. Oh, every time, like <laughs> they'd cut it to two or three against Drexel. Like they'd make defensive stop, defensive stop, defensive stop, like three in a row. And they would go down. They go on like a quick eight-o run to cut the lead to two. And all of a sudden Drexel would go on a quick 7-0 run. And you're like, and then Jamie would cut it and go on there on the 7-0 run. And it's just like this game is giving me heart palpitations when you get that 7-0 run how about you get one more defensive stop and then we just tie it
0: it's just so funny because like in years past when they would go down nine I was like I'm gonna turn flow sports off (laughs) and question my life and they would end up losing by 20 and now like they go down nine I'm like all right they're about to bang five threes and they like do like their offense is so good They have so many shooters. We talked about how at the beginning of the year, they were small ball and couldn't score Jalen Hodge. I think Byington has said, according to Shane Metlin, he's the best shooter on the team. Yes. Like when that guy shoots a three, I'm like, all right, that's cash.
1: It's like, that's, (laughs) I, I was texting you in the game and it was after he hit like his third three in a row to like cut the lead to one, like with two minutes left. I texted and I was like, I want Jalen Hodge starting next game. I want, I want Vado, 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 excuse me. It's, eventually I'll get his year two. I'll get his name right. Every time I want him and Jalen Hodges the starting guards.
0: Yeah. Like they're, they're awesome. I think they'll probably roll with that. It was, it's just fun to watch him play and, and see how he's doing shooting wise. And yeah, I mean, he had the obviously the step back where they were down two with like twenty seconds, and you were saying that he probably should have attacked the rim or waited. Like he really went into a deep step back very quickly.
1: Like uh, you have time, you can you can play that one out.
0: And it really upset three like random Twitter users who one hundred percent bet on JMU spread and or money it, line.
1: And it wasn't JMU fans; it was like yes, they the random fans. They were like. <laughs> F Jalen Hodge for ruining the sport of basketball. And I was like, mm, you probably have $300 on this game. And the best, <laughs> best part of it
0: also is like they're down 10 if Jalen Hodge is not making every three he's taking. Like they're the only reason they're in the game is because Jalen Hodge is playing great and these guys are losing their mind. But he played well. I mean, they, they did some nice things offensively and I think there's a good future for them Zach Jacobs five of six and one for one from three I don't know if you can you can pencil that in in the conference tournament but he was good and he's no that's
1: that's on track for him the five for six from the floor not necessarily the one for one from three Kurt was talking about it on the broadcast where that used to be a big part of his game and why I think Zach Jacobs is a better player this season it's not part of his game anymore but no he's really good inside
0: yeah I mean it was a a big part of his game was to take the threes Um, yeah
1: yep yep yep. (laughs) yeah not (laughs) It's been a fantastic evolution of Zach Jacobs, and why he's one of the best role players in the CAA. It's because he doesn't jack up the threes anymore. He was—I mean,
0: he was nearly perfect in this game, right? He's five for six from the floor, eleven points, three assists, no turnovers. Like, I'll sign up for that every single day of the week. That was incredible.
1: You know what thought, you? What else was uh, Sorry, I keep interrupting you. No, not, go, go. This, this just really makes me excited. Michael Christmas was one for two with two points. That's a that's a not Michael Christmas game. I know he's not necessarily like a huge score, but it's kind of interesting too that when Matt Lewis goes out and they're going to need everyone to kind of step up, he takes two shots. I want him to shoot more. I want him to get it in the corner and just jack it every time. He like until it he goes like over like... seven in a game. I will want that
0: <laughs> when he's shooting like from like NBA range. It looks like he's like like eyeing it up, like the way his motion is. It looks like he's like dead eyeing them in, and he just. He's a really good shooter. So I'd like to see him shoot a little more because the games against Hofstra, he had 28 over the two games, 16 and 12, and it was really shooting well and getting to the rim. And the one thing I will say, he's got three consecutive games with at least six rebounds. So I think he's, he's getting after it a little bit more, which they need. Amadi hasn't really had a huge game in a while. I feel like he had nine points in this one, but he hasn't had like a quiet nine points too. He's, he's someone that could step up and have a couple, you know, game changing dunks or some big blocks and things like that. So, I still think this team can be good. I am the most excited I've been for a conference tournament since I started following JMU men's
1: basketball. Yeah. And this leads us really like Jamie will be playing just so we can preview that and check that off our list. Jamie will be playing either Elon or Towson. I like both of those matchups swept both of them. I think I prefer Elon.
0: Towson has like this grittiness and Zane Martin to them where they're like, you never know. Elon just kind of shows up. Elon is like, they belong in the pillow fight round, right? They are
1: Elon's bad. Towson's soft. Like, Towson beat Northeastern, and I think that is the perfect definition of what Towson is. I,
0: well, the first Elon game, like Vado Morrison and Matt Lewis were terrible, and they won by 20. Like, yeah. Elon would be tremendous. Let's get take Elon. Let's play them. Elon, playing Elon is basically a buy. It's like a warm-up scrimmage game. And I probably shouldn't say this, because now we're going to end up losing to Elon. But. God.
1: Last, time, last time we undersold Elon, look what happened. Kurt Signetti <laughs> came in, and then we stole him.
0: This is uh, it's a big one for buying into the quarterfinal, I will say because that's a Matt Brady special here where you would like have a good end of the season. you'd be like, ooh, conference tournament's coming up and you just get roasted in the quarterfinal and you're, you're left like wondering what the last three months were all about. So I, at the very least I would like them to beat the winner of the pillow fight. It's at home. You should I want to...
1: them just to make it to the semis because the semifinals and finals are on CBS Sports Network and I yeah. get to cover them. So if I could cover JMU in a semifinal game, I would be so excited.
0: It's also like a Monday and Tuesday. That's not too busy for me. They do it where like most people, you're probably not doing much on a Monday or Tuesday night. Huge. They just got to get there. Just got to get there.
1: And final point on JMU men's basketball. The Twitter question we had was from our very own um, Dom Palumbo. Yes. Good old Dom. I'm pulling it up now.
0: What's the rest of the bracket? So if they if they win against Elon or Towson, what are the likely
1: matchups? Uno momento, por favor. They really should. There we go. Championship. CAA should make this easier to find the bracket. They should. That, they should. It's only in one tweet. So then who who then if would, would beat in the quarterfinals, and they'd move on to Delaware or Hofstra, which is a couple both. of gritty teams. I would prefer Delaware. Hundred percent, because Delaware is worse. I think it's it's a bummer that Hofstra's number four yes. because Hofstra is um, Hofstra's really good. Like,
0: and they played us so tight, and we beat them in the two. Like, that's a hard one to win all three.
1: Like, Hofstra's a fake four seat. Hofstra's I would like. I still think they're one of the top teams in the CAA.
0: I would rather you mentioned this. I'd rather have Charleston than Hofstra.
1: I'm trying to find our net rankings that I posted last.
0: I wonder if we slid at all.
1: There we are. We're we're still top. Charleston's 225 in the net. Behind UNCW, Delaware, Drexel, Hofstra, Northeastern. They're one of the bottom feeders in terms of the net. They just beat up on the bottom of the CAA all season. Like they're a fraud three. Hofstra <laughs> is the better team.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at the current ones, Hofstra's. You know, 75 places better than the College of Charleston, basically. So,
1: not of Charleston's ma- not good.
0: Kind of a massive, massive gap there. So, we'll see what happens, but I would prefer
1: Delaware. To... I would prefer Charleston. Can we just scrap everything? Just Can switch, we pick?
0: switch the bracket? <laughs> it's going to be crazy. And then you would assume my guess is that Northeastern makes its way to the championship.
1: Look at their path. I'd almost. I rather- think
0: Northeastern gets there pretty easily. Yeah, I think the two seeds probably the best, the best path. <laughs> Let's talk about collusion with the CA offices. All right, yeah. we're gonna
1: need a. I need friends <laughs> in the Boston <laughs> area. We're gonna, <laughs> gonna fully of uh, freedom of information on Northeast. There's clearly some. They clearly threw the Towson game.
0: You you have to wonder if they did throw the Towson game, and and gosh, if they end up winning, man, there's a black eye. There's a stain on this win for Northeastern. So. <laughs> Hopefully JMU can do it so the league won't have to deal with that
1: and those questions going into March Madness. (laughs) Okay, so the final question for JMU men's basketball from Don Palumbo. I keep hitting the wrong button. All right. What does JMU men's basketball need to be able to – let me rephrase that. I messed that up. What does JMU men's (laughs) basketball need to be able to follow up a good year with another good year? For me,
0: since they return – most of the guys with a lot of offensive skill for one you got the young players need to get better but I think just defensively if they can take strides where they become a consistent defensive team I think they're gonna be really hard to beat because they have a bunch of guys who can score um, I think recruiting is gonna going go up consistently here with Byington and what he's been able to do um, I wonder a little bit about how long he'll actually be in Harrisonburg because I think he's a really good coach but recruiting, keep doing that. Get some good guys. If you're able to add some like impactful grad transfers, that's big. Um, specifically, at like the center spot would be helpful. They could get hey, something. They out have Mensa meds, or or something like that. I mean, they just need something. But yeah, I mean, for me, it's just defense. Can they play good defense and improve defensively? If they do
1: that, I think they'll they'll have a good year next year. I agree. I think I, I don't even think you necessarily have to bring in outside transfers. All all that many of them. It would be really nice just to, sh- to shore up that that five spot because it is a kind of a, a a tough spot with Amadi having to take all the minutes there. And sometimes we get out rebound JMU gets out rebounded heavily. But yeah, there's so many shooters. I really think if they just if they improve one level on defense, I think they become clear cut CAA favorites.
0: I think too, I mean, if you could add three to five five star recruits <laughs> who stay for all four years and they're just lottery talents imagine what they would do against the college of charlestons in the world dude no but they're they're not far away from getting to the point where they are in other sports where it's like this is the best team in the conference like and there's there's no doubt going into the season you look at like softball and and football and women's basketball a lot of the time they're pretty much the clear-cut team and i think they're getting close to that point. I also think having fans in that arena is going to be sick. And this was a perfect year to generate interest because they did a good job with the no fans of winning
1: game. Yeah, this is definitely – this team is poised to stay atop the CAA. If they just get better at defense, I think they will, they will parlay this, this success into another year of success. And with the AUB, the bank rocking, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I almost said the convocation center the other day in the newsletter. I had to delete it. I was like, the games will
0: be at the convocation. I was like, wait, that'd be weird. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm excited for this. We got the Sunday. We'll see what we do. I guess we'll probably do the podcast, you know, after the finals and before women, we do it on like Wednesday or something. But anyway, yeah, I'm excited. I'm very excited because I think there's a legitimate chance they go dancing. Joe got kind of a 16 seed playing Baylor. Baylor's looked a little bit iffy since a COVID pause. Is that a, is that a good matchup for JMU?
1: Is this the Homer in me? I think Jamie's a 15 seed.
0: I think without math, they're definitely getting a 16. I do want they them to look avoid at that a... though. Yeah, they should. They usually look at injuries to see if you if you, okay. they lose their. bet. I don't know how much they do it for like the 16s. I don't know how much they really care. <laughs> but a 15 would be huge. But even a 16 against a team like Baylor, who just lost the first game of the season, they're probably wondering
1: what they're going to do with themselves. Here's a Perfect question for spot. you while you're while you're saying stupid stuff. Would you rather, Jamie, you get a 16 seed with the play-in at the first four, or would you rather get a 16 seed where they don't have to play in?
0: So I go back and forth. Early, I was like, I want the 16 play-in because they could win a game, and it'd be, like, fun. They'd also be alone, like, standalone, basically, on a day. You know what I mean? Like, there's no other games going on. You get to watch the play-in game. That'd be kind of cool. The issue is, like, you're playing a team that you don't care about at all. I would rather them they get a 16, no play-in, Give me a time to prep for a Baylor or for a Michigan. And uh, I kind of, I don't know. Am I crazy for thinking that they would beat them? Yes. <laughs> It'd be so much better if they had a 15. The ones are so good.
1: Like, I think if they, between
0: had, if they had Matt Lewis and they were a 15, they would win easily. They'd be a final 14. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Okay. No, but it
0: would be it would be like I would convince myself like I would have one percent of
1: hope if they're like a fifteen against Alabama and they have Mount Lewis, I'd be like,
0: eh, maybe they shoot well.
1: Of my eighty-two brackets I make, one of them would have JMU winning the national championship.
0: And I'm I'm a little frustrated with some of the fifteens right now. Grand Canyon? You're gonna tell me Grand Canyon is better than JMU? You think Grand Canyon could can stop Zach Jacobs in the mid post? Don't think so.
1: You know anything about Grand Canyon? I think they've been good this year, haven't
0: they? For uh, as far as like, aren't they like a new team? Maybe not.
1: Grand Canyon's one (laughs) thirty-seven in the net. We're a better net than them. We should be the fifteen. Joe Lenardi has no idea who's hot.
0: I would honestly, we should be like a seven. All
1: right, we're gonna wrap up this podcast with a little around JMU sports action. It looks like Dukes. Dukes did pick up a overtime win against High Point, and Emma Johnson picked up CAA Defensive Player of the Week. That was an awesome game in some snow.
0: Harrisonburg snow I had to double check I didn't realize it was in Harrisonburg I thought it was on the road but I guess high points in like North Carolina so that wouldn't make a lot of sense yeah but overtime win in the snow
1: that's pretty cool um volleyball photos and they did they sweep they're looking good they're looking really good they're they're always
0: really good they're three and one on the year
1: people are wondering if they're gonna win the league again what they lost their home opener, to, yeah, home opener in yes. Delaware, and now they've swept. They swept UNCW. Next up is March 10th against VCU. Yes. Um, and I'm not. Oh, uh, something with six divers are going to compete at the Zone A championships to make it try and advance in the NCAA qualifiers. And women's golf is doing pretty well. Yeah, men's soccer that's out there. I think the tennises might be doing something. I try
0: to get some of this softball, though, my favorite sport, big softball guy. I was able to watch their opener because I was covering Virginia in person. So they end up winning that one five to one. Odyssey Alexander was pretty good for JMU. They beat a Virginia team. That's definitely improving. And then the next game. So they played a doubleheader in Charlottesville. They're currently on COVID pause. um, So they won't play this weekend, unfortunately. But they're down in the seventh inning. There are only seven innings in a college softball game. Top of the seventh. They're down four to one to George Washington. They scored seven runs in the top of the seventh. They end up winning eight to four. They were, they were down, and then there was a stretch of three at-bats. They had like, like a three RBI triple, and then a home run, and then a home run. I was like, wow. So they, they came out of nowhere. They scored one run the first six innings and then blitzed them. They're going to be really good this year. Um, I kind of want to see what they have pitching-wise. They used, I think it's a Jacksonville transfer, Alyssa Humphrey, came in in relief against GW and was really good. They had Odyssey Alexander pitch the game against Virginia, and then she started the next game. She threw, like, 250 pitches on on Saturday. So what you can do in softball, because it's like a normal arm motion, like underhand instead of, like, you know, destroying your elbow like you do in baseball. But still, a lot of pitches kind of wondering, too. Humphrey was really good, but I was was interested because they have Caleb Bozeman, the Mississippi State transfer, I don't know if I saw her. It was kind of hard to see um, with where the bullpen was and all that stuff, and I know they currently are having, you know, more COVID issues, so I don't know if they had stuff to begin with, um, and the other one is, what was it, Alexis uh, Bermudez, I think. I could have that wrong. Um, sorry, it's been a while since off. I think that's right. She was another transfer who pitched a decent amount. I think she started against Virginia last year, so yeah, Alexis Bermudez, so we'll see what happens with the pitching, but Looks like they've got some arms behind Odyssey, and that's kind of how college softball works. the The teams with the best pitchers tend to have the most success. But Jamie, great lineup started two and zero. I know nobody else cares, but I was hyped to watch them play for the first time in, you know, two years basically. No, we care. We care, Bennett. It was a long time. It was a long time. I love college softball, I man. No, I know. Yeah, used... fast. Part of it is the speed. I mean, no offense to UVA baseball, but like you're there for four hours. And you're like just... softball is like
1: two hours, and there's a lot of action. Well, I think that wraps up the podcast. I think it does. Oh, kidding! I'm finishing it with a yawn. For Bennett Conlin. Oh, this is a good stretch. <laughs> what a way to finish. For Bennett Conlin, my name's Jack Fitzpatrick. Go ahead and check us out at our home on the web at www.jmuSportsNews.com. Lots of great content over there. We have our weekly CA power rankings. Bennett is a sarcastic. Um, sarcastic guy who gets people in on clickbait and check us out on twitter at J&E Sports news check us out on facebook JME Sports news check us out on spotify apple podcasts wherever you listen to podcasts and wherever you listen to podcasts we ask that you please subscribe and rate us five stars if you so please and give us a nice little review that would greatly help our seo i think <laughs> is that a i SEO? want some
0: i don't know just keep giving us the reviews that you're able to give us
1: Yes, okay, so if we're going to call them, my name is Jack Fitzpatrick. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. See ya. Transform your home in one weekend with paint from the arts. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean interior paint and primer in one. Offers stay clean technology. Making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boy's easy opening, smooth pouring container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy Paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money at Menards. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks, that's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel.